Hey folks, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors at Clearview Community Church. Thanks for taking the time to join us today. So I have a question for all you guys listening. Have you ever been accused of having man eyes? Now, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're looking for something and you're looking and you're looking and you can't find it. Now, if you're married, you know what the next step is. Hey honey, have you seen, you can fill in the blank. And often the case, what I was looking for was right under my nose. Now, we laugh at that because we know it's true, but I have a bit of a theory, guys. Someone who will remain nameless in an attempt to reorganize our home moves items I'm looking for because I know where I left it. That's kind of my theory, I'm sticking to it. Here's where we're going today. I think we can do the same thing with the truths of Jesus. We can hear something, read something in the Bible, hear a message, and are looking at the truth, but we come blind to who Jesus says he is and what he wants to do in our lives, even though the truth is right in front of us. So in our story today, we are going to see the people are, that people are looking for a sign, they're looking for proof of who Jesus is when the evidence has been right in front of them. And to give you some context here, Jesus had just cast a demon out of a man who was mute. And some of the people who were witness to this, they didn't accept Jesus as the Messiah, as God's chosen one. They're looking for any way to reject Jesus. So they are testing him by asking for a sign from heaven. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 11. We're gonna pick it up in verse 29. And as you're doing that, I want us to, this is truth to grab you to grab hold of today. Your acceptance or your rejection of Jesus does not change who he is. It changes what he can do in your life. In our story, Jesus is going to explain a sign to them that should be compelling for their belief. So Luke eleven twenty nine, As the crowds increased, Jesus said, this is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign. Prove it to us, they are saying. The miracle Jesus had just performed, the religious leaders had taught, could only be done by the Messiah. Yet, they wanted more proof. And I was thinking about this, and I think it sounds a lot like our culture, if you will. If, if Jesus really is who he says he is, he needs to prove it to me. Now, it's okay to have questions. I would encourage questions, actually. But much like this crowd of people with Jesus, there are those who no matter what you say or show them, they will not believe. For some, their question isn't so much about proof because if you could give them 100% certainty that God is real and Jesus is who he said he is, they still would not believe. Because ultimately, it is about the condition of your heart. Most people are not willing to acknowledge that they can't live this life on their own, that you need saving from your sin, that you need Jesus to rescue you. That is a level of humility that most people don't want to accept. The people here in our story, they refuse to acknowledge what is happening before their eyes. Jesus has healed people. He has cast out demons. He has raised the dead, but they will not believe. They're looking for another sign when proof is right in front of them. Jesus continues by saying, but none will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. So what does Jesus mean by this? It doesn't make much sense, first of all, if you don't know the story of Jonah. 
So I'm going to explain a little bit to you. So Jonah is found in the Old Testament. This is before Jesus kind of comes on the scene. It is a story of a prophet of God named Jonah. God used prophets to speak to people on his behalf. And Jonah is a prophet of Israel. God commissions him to go and preach repentance to a group of people called the Ninevites. The only problem is the Ninevites live in the capital of the kingdom of Assyria, Nineveh. The Assyrians, they're not nice people. If you do a quick Google search, you will find out what they would do to their enemies. Not very nice things. Not good neighbors to have, if you will. So Jonah, a prophet of Israel, is commissioned by God to go to their enemies who have been ravaging the nation of Israel and tell them to repent and turn to God or they would perish. Jonah is having none of this. After all, these are wicked, evil people who have been terrorizing his people. Why would he want to go to them? So Jonah disobeys God and runs in the opposite direction to the city of Tarshish by boat. You can't blame him. God then sends a severe storm while he's on the boat to threaten to sink the ship. And Jonah is to tells the crew to throw him overboard because when he goes overboard, the, st the storm will calm. Then God brings a large fish that swallows up Jonah and Jonah remains in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Jonah then travels by fish to the region of Nineveh where God caused the fish to vomit Jonah out onto dry land. Jonah then enters the city of Nineveh, preaching repentance to the people there, and they turn to God. Now, kind of that's Pastor Jason's short version. I would encourage you to read the full story later. So, what is the sign of Jonah that Jesus is speaking about? In Matthew's gospel, Matthew gives another detail. Matthew 12, 40, Jesus says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man, this is a title Jesus would use for himself, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Here's the message of the Bible and the proof for the people. Jesus will die on the cross for our sin. And the sign of Jonah Jesus is speaking about will be his burial and his subsequent resurrection from the dead. This will be the sign that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the King. He is God. He was who he said he was. And I want you to understand this. Jesus' resurrection was the catalyst to the Christian faith. See, the Romans, they crucified hundreds of thousands of people. What makes Jesus different is that he didn't remain dead. After three days, he rose again, conquering sin and conquering hell, conquering Satan and death itself. For those who wanted another sign, Jesus says, I'm going to give you a great sign. I'm going to die, and then I'm going to rise from the dead. Now, as I say this, I'm sure some of you are kind of skeptical, or perhaps you know someone who's skeptical. If this is supposed to be proof, are we supposed to simply take it at face value? I mean, come on. A dead guy rising from the dead? That is your proof? That Jesus is who he said he was? I hear you. I hear you. By nature, I am a skeptic. Yet, I'm also a follower of Jesus. So let me give you a few historical reasons to believe in the resurrection of Jesus and why, for me and many more people, we have concluded that Jesus is who he said he was. Some reasons that if you are going to reject Jesus, you will need to work through these first. The first, the very first people uh, were eyewitness to Jesus' resurrection, they were women. They were the first to report 
that Jesus had risen from the dead in all gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, I know when I say that, it doesn't seem like a big deal in our culture, but in that culture, women could not even testify in court. So I want you to think about this critically. If you wanted to fabricate a story, if a bunch of guys got together and made this up, women are not your first eyewitnesses. You would have written that a prominent, influential man was an eyewitness to Jesus' resurrection. Why add this detail unless it were true? Additionally, after Jesus' death, the disciples, they're a bunch of trembling, fearful cowards. They had just witnessed their leader murdered. They're worried, hey, are we gonna be next? And so they go into hiding. So how do you take a group of cowardice nobodies and give them the boldness to change the world as we see? See, the reason is they saw their leader die and they saw him alive again. They ate with him, they spoke with him, they touched him, they heard him. Change their perspective. That gave them a boldness to the point that even Jesus' brothers and his mother Mary followed him and worshiped him as God. Listen, I have a younger brother, trust me. If I told him that I was God, he'd lock me up. He would not start worshiping me. Why did they do that? Because they saw him die and then they saw him live again. And beyond that, just sharing the message of Jesus, the disciples were willing to die for the cause of Jesus. Every one of the disciples, except for John, die a horrific death because they refused to turn their back on Jesus. If they had made up this story, I want you to think about this. I don't know about you, but if I faced a beheading or crucifixion or being sawn in half, I might say, hey, um, you know that story we've been sharing about Jesus? Yeah, kind of made the whole thing up. None of the disciples recanted. They didn't become wealthy, they didn't gain fame, they didn't become popular. In fact, they were often beaten and persecuted and ridiculed. So what was their motive? Well, same thing, they saw Jesus' death and resurrection, which gave them boldness. Last thing just for today is Jesus' tomb was never enshrined and turned into a place of worship. I want you to think about this. People worship to this day at the tomb of Buddha, People worship at the tomb of Muhammad. People worship at the tomb of Krishna. People worship at the tomb of Confucius. In the first century Christianity, no one worshiped at the tomb of Jesus because he wasn't there. In fact, to this day, we don't even know where Jesus' tomb is located because it didn't matter to the disciples. He isn't there. Now, these are just a few historical reasons the skeptic has to work through. Lee Strobel, who was a devoted atheist, he later became a Christian after exploring the evidence, he said this, anyone can claim to be God, but Jesus backed it up with an empty tomb. See, Jesus is saying, you're looking for a sign, you want more proof, I'm going to show you and squash all of your doubt. I will die, but I will rise again. Jesus continues in verse 31, the queen of the south will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh, we just talked about the story, will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. Okay, so what is Jesus saying here? See, Jesus compares the people of Israel, those listening to him, who have just seen him, remember, cast a demon out of a man, 
He compares them to two people. He compares them to the Queen of the South, which is actually the Queen of Sheba, who came to visit and listen to, the, to King Solomon for his wisdom. See, Solomon was the son of King David, arguably Israel's greatest king, and God appears to Solomon and tells him to ask him for anything. And so Solomon says, I want great wisdom to rule the nation of Israel. Jesus says the Queen of Sheba, who was a foreign queen following foreign gods, came to Solomon and listened to him. But there's someone greater than Solomon standing in their midst, performing miracles that only the Messiah could do, and they won't listen. She could condemn the people in Jesus' time because they are not willing to hear and open their hearts to Jesus, who is right there in front of them. And Jesus is greater than Solomon. So Jesus also compares them to the evil people of Nineveh. Jonah called them to repent of their weakness, and the end of the story is they actually repent. However, Jesus came teaching and preaching and healing to his own people, the nation, of e- the nation of Israel, God's people, and they reject him. They refuse to repent. So the queen of Sheba worshiped foreign gods, and the Ninevites, they were evil, detestable people, both very far from God. They were not the chosen people of God, like the nation of Israel was. They did not have the prophets, they did not have the law of God, or the history of God's presence in their lives, yet they turn to hear and receive the message of God, and God does a work in their lives. So Jesus then continues with a short parable in verse 33. He says, No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful lest the light in in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. What is Jesus saying in this moment? He says, I'm in the midst of all of you, and you refuse to listen. Those with him have bad eyes. They don't want to focus on the light. Therefore, their sight is darkened, resulting in their entire body being dark. They stand condemned for refusing the one God has sent to bring them salvation and hope. And I wonder sometimes how many of us are like this. We can know the message of Jesus, have heard the message of Jesus. We can even have seen God work around us. We can know what it means to have eternal life, yet, if we are not careful, we are like those of Jesus' generation, always seeking more proof, always seeking a sign, and we do not have ears to hear the truth of Jesus and a heart to respond. We do not have eyes open to the light, and as a result, we remain in darkness. John 1.11 says, He, speaking of Jesus, came to his own and his own people, the people of Israel, they did not receive him. But to all, friends, you are included in that. All who did receive him, all who accept who Jesus said he was, who believed in his name, placed their faith in him, he gave the right to become children of God. The people in our story, they rejected Jesus But to all, all of us, anyone who would receive and believe, he calls children of God. See, the question for each of us is, do we realize who Jesus is? 
Will we acknowledge the greatness of Jesus? Jesus, friends, is greater than Solomon. Jesus is greater than Jonah. Yet those he came to, to, those he came to did not receive him. You see, Jonah ran from the mission of God. Jonah turned his back on those lost sinners of Nineveh. Jesus ran toward the lost at the cost of his life. Jonah warned the people of God's judgment. Jesus came as our substitute and took the judgment I deserved upon himself. Romans 5, 9 says, Since we have now been justified by his blood, Jesus' death on the cross, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Jonah hated his enemies, and for some good reasons, they were really evil people, but Jesus loved us while we were God's enemies. Romans 5.10 says, we were enemies of God, but he made us his friends through the death of his son. So my question for you, what is the sign you would need to follow Jesus? Maybe you are listening and you are like the people of Jesus' generation. You have heard the message of Jesus. You have experienced his presence. You have felt that tug, if you will, on your heart. And instead of acknowledging who Jesus is, you, you still have this heart that says, prove it. You kind of fold your arms like this and say, I need another sign. Your sight is darkened and your whole body is darkened. So listen to me. That feeling you're experiencing right now as you're listening, wherever you're listening from, that tug, so to speak, that, that you feel God He's wanting you to respond to him. And until your heart is willing, until you're willing to be changed and open to receive, it doesn't matter what proof is placed before you. Friends, listen to me. Your acceptance or rejection of Jesus does not change who he is, but it changes what he can do in your life. The people of Nineveh were open to the message of Jonah. The queen of Sheba was open to the wisdom of Solomon. The proper response to Jesus is to hear his message, receive and repent. Jesus, I turn to you and I believe. I place my trust, my faith in you, that you are God, that you died for my sin and you rose to life to give me a new life in you. My question for you is simple but extremely important. Have you done this? If not, what is hindering your unbelief? Perhaps you have some doubts, I hear you. It's okay to have questions. It is okay to want to know more. But my encouragement to you is do not reject Jesus without first looking at the proof Jesus has given us. Without first opening your eyes to the light that he brings. Jesus wants to work in your life. He wants to change your life. He wants to give you a new, full life in him. But first, you need to receive and believe. Or maybe you are a follower of Jesus and you're listening today. And this has given you kind of a confidence in your faith. Jesus is who he said he was. He proved it through his resurrection and we can have confidence in our faith. My prayer is you would have opened your eyes to the light of Jesus. Your entire being would be full of light, having no part of darkness and is seeing and, and everyone else around you is seeing that light shine through you. Why don't you just join with me as we wrap up in prayer. God, I thank you that you care about each one listening. Jesus, I thank you that you came on a mission to save us. You came to bring us back to you, despite the fact that we had no desire to seek you. For those listening today who are asking questions, I pray that you would meet them in their doubt, in their questions, that they would receive and believe that you are God, proven by your resurrection, that they would place their faith in you. 
for those who would say they are followers of Jesus. May this encourage their faith. May this inspire us to know you are God and that you call us to share the truth we have experienced with those around us who don't yet know you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Listen, if you have questions, we would love to hear from you. Please reach out and someone will get back to you. God bless you, my friends. Take care.